and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And, and we're... And, 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 we're wo- and we're what? And we're both still married. We are. To each other? Yeah. That's sure. good. That's good. We are excited for part two of our interview with Julie Diazvedo-Hanks, Dr. Julie Diazvedo-Hanks. And we'll get to there in just one moment, but we have a couple of announcements. Katie, what we got something going down tomorrow, which is why we're trying to get this episode out today. Right. We didn't quite get it out before Halloween, so here we are doing it the day after. St. George Meetup is tomorrow, Saturday, November 2nd, and you can check Facebook events to look at the address and information, as well as a sign-up for Potluck. There are a good amount of people, this may be our biggest group yet, uh, that have registered to come, so we are super excited to see you and meet you. And anyone in the area is welcome Welcome to that. I think we have some Las Vegas people. Oh, yes. Cedar City people. And so we're excited for that. Yeah. If you're not on Facebook and you do want to come, you can send any, send us an email at marriageonatidrope at gmail.com and we can let you know the details. The other quick announcement we have before we get to the interview is we are going to be celebrating our 1,000th Facebook. We finally group. did it. We did it. How about that? I and think it's funny because I'm not sure. Is this a celebration? That's the thing. Is I, I posted about it when we hit a thousand in the Facebook group because it's like, hey, we're celebrating. A bunch of people are in a really hard situation. <laughs> Welcome to the pain and hurt, people. <laughs> but there is cause to celebrate because everyone in the group has made the decision to choose. To make this work, they're they're choosing to to make it work, and they're choosing to help others make it work. So, I don't think that uh, we don't want people to have to go through this. But if you're going through it, we want you to be able to get the support that you need. So, I'm glad that the group is growing. It's exciting to see people um, finding themselves in a hard situation, but knowing that they can they can work through it and and have success in that. So, in order to celebrate the fact that we reached four digits an arbitrary milestone. Uh, And in conjunction with the upcoming holidays, now that Thanksgiving is on its way and Halloween is over, we are going to have a little bit of a giveaway. And basically, the stuff we're giving away are going to be books that we've mentioned on the podcast, Bridges. Katie found a new one called Fierce Conversations. And boy, our marriage has been interesting since she found that. (laughs) In a good way, right? Yeah, in a good way. But she's brought up some really hard topics that she typically just ignores and it's been um it's been good <laughs> well we have Jana reese's book we have there are so there's so much material out Thomas there McConkie's book right so we want to we want to do a pretty significant giveaway of of some literature for everybody out there and uh, i think that that would be that would be helpful so in order to do that what we're going to do is but we're going our, to ask yes you. we're going to ask you to give us some feedback so we're going to we don't have it up yet, but we're going to create just a, a quick feedback form, probably using Google or something, and we'll post a link to it on our Instagram and within the Facebook group, and um, once we have that up, we may announce announce it here on the podcast in the next couple episodes, but in order to enter, all you got to do is throw throw your feedback at us. Uh, we'd love to, to know some of the questions we're going to ask are, you know, what topics have we not covered, or do you want covered in, in greater detail? How is Marriage on a Tightrope? podcasting community been helpful for you and and your spouse what objectives do you hope to fill within the podcast and the and the community 
and are those objectives being met? Those types of things. Yeah, they'll be quick. They'll be short questions, and then we'll just ask for your email address, and that will really help us in our face with our Facebook group and our Instagram and future episodes that we end up doing. So it's a win-win. You guys get to win something, and we get to hear your awesome feedback. Yeah, we just want to... We want to improve based on what you think. So, And the last thing before we get to Dr. Hanks is Katie and I will be at the Thrive Conference November 17th. We are not sure exactly about our availability. We have a big family weekend on Katie's side of the family that week. And or that day on the 17th and, and the day before on the 16th. So we're not sure exactly how long we're going to be there. But if you're going to Thrive... Uh, look for us. I'm the tall one with dyed black hair, which we haven't really talked about yet. And Okay, let's hurry and address that. <laughs> I dyed his hair black and his mustache black because he was Freddie Mercury for Halloween yesterday. And the weird thing is that I feel out of the, all the things you just said, the thing I need to defend the most is I don't normally have a mustache. I have a beard, yeah. kind of a scruffy beard. It's not a full beard. And I just shaved around it after you died. So yeah, I was Freddie Mercury for Halloween and it was really fun but now my hair is black cuz it we didn't use weak spray paint we used regular like hair dye so yeah <clears throat> hope, we're hoping that that washes out before my brother's wedding <laughs> we'll see if that happens <laughs> yep which is the weekend of thrive so if you see us at Katie's brother's wedding say hi and make fun of my hair if you see us at thrive do the same and if you'd like to show your support for marriage on a tightrope we certainly would appreciate it. You can go to marriageonatightrope.org and click on the donate uh, button up there at the top and donate that way through PayPal or debit card. You can set up a recurring payment. You can also just Venmo us at Marriage on a Tightrope. It is very much appreciated and the ongoing support is what helps make this possible and helps with our giveaways and all the meetups that we do. So thank you very much for your support. And now on to what you've been waiting to hear. That's how Bill plagiarized that. That's how Bill does it. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy, Doctor Julie Hanks. And we're back with another episode with Doctor Julie De- De Azevedo Hanks. Doctor Hanks, thank you, and welcome back to Marriage on a Tightrope. Thank you. So happy to be here. <laughs> you absolutely deserve to have your your bio read again. So <laughs> you'll do it this time. <laughs> I'll, I'll read it real quick. Uh, if you didn't hear the last episode, uh, Dr. Hanks is a licensed a clinical social worker and psychotherapist with 28 years experience specializing in women's emotional health and relationships. She is an assistant professor of social work at Utah Valley University. Dr. Hanks is the founder and director of Wasatch Family Therapy, website wasatchfamilytherapy.com, right? Is that right? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. An outpatient uh, therapy clinic in Cottonwood Heights and Bountiful. She's also an author of The Burnout Cure and The Assertiveness Guide for Women, a blogger. I have a feeling you're really going to want to read that. That's a really cool. I know. I, that's right up my alley. That's a good title, by the way. <laughs> that's a very good title. Can, can, you, can you get that on Amazon, by the way? Yeah. Yep. Okay. You can get both of them. Okay. Amazon awesome. people. A blogger, a, a local and national media contributor, an, inf- an online influencer, a private practice consultant, and an award-winning performing songwriter. A native Californian, Hanks currently lives in Sandy, Utah. For additional resources, you can visit drjuliehanks.com or connect with at drjuliehanks on social media. 
Have you ever combined your, your love and your beautiful singing with therapy? You know, you like sing to your patients. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that, but you can definitely, in my songwriting, you can see the influence of what I've studied and of my work with people in my songs. So <laughs> I love that. I want to add to my bio too, that I have been married 30 years and I have four children and two grandchildren. Wonderful. Oh, congratulations. That's you look great. too young to have grandkids. Stop. <laughs> Grandma Jewy. <laughs> Grandma Jewy. Oh, that's, that's very great. And are your, are your, all your kids still here in Utah? No, I have two kids still at home and then two that have launched and are in different states, actually. Wow. And the grandkids are out of state or in state? They're out of state. Oh, no. Oh. I know. I know. <laughs> Every few months I get the fix, the grandbaby fix. Oh, that's great. That's well, awesome. we're... We're super excited to have you back. For those that are listening to the latest episode and missed the last one, go back and listen to it. We talked about communicating with family, mm-hmm. talked about boundaries, how to, how to talk and bring up this difficult topic of, hey, we found ourselves in a mixed faith marriage. What does that look like? A lot of good things. And you can check the show notes for, for links to the articles that were shared there as well. This episode, we really wanted to talk to Dr. Hanks and ask her questions specifically about the biggest issue that Alan and I have, which is kids. And a lot of our listeners are just struggling with those teenagers. And so I wanted to read a comment, uh, a question that a listener has, and it really, it encompasses a lot of the things we wanted to talk about. So I'll read that and then we can kind of pick apart some of those things and we can talk about it. So this is the, the comment that was made. I love her work on modesty. I read her article to my teen daughter who was feeling resentful and angry about how modesty was being taught in young women's. I would love to know how to navigate teens through the faith crisis of their parents. When it seems that I am the only influence from the church, I have to be honest, for me, the faith crisis was easier to manage when my kids were young. Teenagers are a whole new ball game that I dreaded. When parents aren't in spiritual and cultural sync and have differing and almost opposite beliefs, there is more freedom for teens to oppose and, dare I say, think for themselves. (laughs) How dare they? Uh Uh It can be a challenge that comes with the territory of a mixed faith marriage and one that I didn't anticipate. Some practical advice and insight into parenting teens within a mixed faith family would be great. Okay, that is a loaded comment. So we're going to yeah. parse it out a little bit. Yeah, so- let's, let's talk. Let's just, let's parse it out. Um, so first she talks about the article that you wrote on modesty. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's start there. Why don't you talk about what that article was about, which was fantastic, by the way. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. Okay. And, and talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so basically I just uh, break down kind of the problem with equating modesty with what girls wear, that we've kind of collapsed this notion of modesty, which is actually a lot broader than just what girls wear. And so I talk about how now we've objectified women in a different way by looking at shoulders and stomachs and knees as and sexualizing them when they're just body parts, right? We also need to stop sending the message that women and girls are responsible for the thoughts of boys and men. We've sent that message a lot. Like, well, you need to dress modesty so to protect boys and men from having sexual thoughts. And it's like, no, that's not. 
So anyway, I give a lot of suggestions of how we can balance the modesty discussion mm -hmm. and um, yeah, how we can kind of make it healthier for everybody. What are some of those points that can make it healthier? Well, defining modesty more broadly is how, how you present yourself in general and how, how you treat people and your thoughts and kind of presenting yourself in a way that feels congruent to who you are. And that applies to equally to, to boys and girls. So recognizing that I think is important um, and taking it away from being the shoulder and the knee police. You know? <laughs> also recognizing the cultural context has a lot to do with the cultural context has a lot to do with what is considered modest or immodest at any given time in history. So that modesty isn't just like this set dress code that's always the same. I mean, ankles used to be immodest and necks used to be immodest and hair is immodest in some cultures. Right. So that it's, it's kind of um, modest dress codes are kind of based in whatever culture you are and, um, you know, wanting to, and Mormons tend to want to be more conservative, conservative than than other other groups and you know that's fine but recognizing that it's culturally informed i think is is one point that i make in the article another is just stop looking at girls and their clothing so and scrutinizing it so much and being glad they're at church being glad welcome them and be happy that they're there and and you know stop somehow we've we've evolved to this place where what, what girls are wearing is free game for everybody to criticize. Mm. So I talk about how modesty is really about yourself. And if you're judging someone else, it's time to turn it back on yourself and think, am I, am I being modest in my behavior and my actions toward other people? So those are a few of the, the thoughts in it. I love that. And it doesn't just apply to teens because as you know, um, as women, we do it all the time to each other and we do it to ourselves. And so I think that that, yeah, I think that that is an excellent point. So let's, let's move right into those teenagers because we've got one of those who is 13 and knows everything. And he is, let me tell you, he complains mm -hmm. about going to church every single week. He's going to hear this at some point, he, but it may be a few years. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so like a super good example, Alan walked in with them to church and Jackson, this, two weeks ago. this was two weeks ago. Jackson says, why do we have to come to church? It's so dumb. It's all fake anyway. <laughs> and Alan said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, come on, dad, Noah. <laughs> Noah's Ark. You're telling Noah's me. Ark. <laughs> and like he, he's ranting and raving about, about being there. This was the primary program week. It was Katie's last week as primary president. We're walking through the hall and me as the full non-believer, I'm, I'm walking through the halls of church having to justify to my kid and explain to him why we're at church. I don't want to be there either. <laughs> and luckily they haven't played that card yet. He hasn't, he will at some point, but he hasn't. And just for anecdotal uh, story, so you can know, my seven-year-old daughter is walking with us as well. And she just says, well, Jackson, I disagree. I think it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> really, so really sassy. And it was, I laughed and it was very cute. 
you know, I think a lot of parents are are concerned that as the teenage years come, the kids start to become more individual to themselves, and they start to hopefully express how they feel. How can we as parents, um, how should we be, react to that without making them, you know, pitting them against one parent or the other? Right, right. So I think it's important to recognize that this is a developmental process for teens that whether you're in a mixed faith marriage or not, kids are going to push back. Teens are going to push back and they might try to pit up one parent against another in, in other areas and curfew or whatever. So some of this is just developmental and not necessarily related to having a mixed faith marriage, but how to navigate this in terms of church. I think it's important for the couple to decide what the family rules are. So you might have a family rule that we go to church together or sacrament meeting together as a family until you're 16. And then you can choose or until you're 18 or 15, but the couple decides what that is. And then that's just kind of what we do. This is family tradition. Like we have family family dinner together on Sundays. That's just part of what we do. And so I think the couple needs to decide on what age the child, you know, what age the child needs to be to decide for themselves whether or not they want to go. Okay. So in our case, we've kind of decided that we would do anything we did, we did as a family. So So maybe every other week we go to church, maybe we go to church most of the time, and some days we do what Alan wants to do. We go to a different church, or we go do something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, my, but the feedback you know, we get is the, the one time we do something fun, the kids say, well, we did something fun that week. Why can't we do something this mm-hmm. week? And because of, we're, we haven't quite figured it out yet. I'm not exactly sure how to respond to the kid yeah. when, you, when you haven't figured it out. Yeah, but you can just say, because that's what we decided as parents. And that's our job is to make decisions for the family that we think are best for you. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been open with, with them, especially Jackson, the, the oldest 13 and said, Jackson, I don't want to go either. I don't, but yeah. I know that your mom does. And we've decided as, as mom and dad, that that's what we're going to do as a family. We're going to be together when we're together, we behind the scenes, we don't know how long that will work and how long that will last. But for now it does. It's the same topic, but I'll, I'll ask you, let's pretend. So tight ropers listening. That's, we have a cute little nickname for our listeners that that are listening. Grab your balance sticks. Are those what, is that what those are called? No, I'm stretching it a bit thin here. Let's, we're going to give you a, a kind of a free therapy moment. So let's say that a couple is sitting down with you and the spouse that has exited the church turns to you, the, the therapist, or their spouse and says, I will not let my kids go into that church that teaches blah, 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 blah. And one spouse has taken a stand. And it could be the believing spouse says, there is absolutely no way the kids have to stay in. What, what would you say to a, a couple that is so on opposite ends of what to do about going to church. Yeah. Well, I would say one person doesn't get to unilaterally make that decision either way. Your kids have two parents. So it's not okay for you to say, this is the rule. This is the end. (laughs) Either one of you, like my kids will never miss a day. Like you don't, as you're one of a couple, 
right? You, one, one of you can't unilaterally make a decision. And so I would say, okay, I get that you feel really strongly about that, but you have someone else here that whose opinion matters just as much as yours. And so we need to take that into consideration and find some middle ground. How much of finding middle ground involves Alan being able, or anyone being able to say whatever they want to the kid about church history, about testimony, because there we can we I mean Alan doesn't prefer to read the Book of Mormon with them, mm-hmm. right? I could, but he doesn't. But there is some concern that there will be some damage done in whatever he says to them about the church or his feelings about the church. How do we balance those two things where one parent's trying to, and, and they, I think that the, the idea that we get from the church is that if you're still in, it is on you to provide that spirituality for your family. That's a lot of pressure, a lot. And, and, and you can drive yourself insane trying to keep up with that. So, so speak to that. Yeah. So that's a lot. Um, I'm trying to think where to, where do you want me to start? (laughs) Let's let's start with um, the mom or the dad who is fully in fully believing and trying and, and feeling like they have to keep their spirituality with their kids. Like that's their job to do. Well, it is. I mean, if you're the one in the church and that's important to you, then that's going to be your job. And that's part of deciding to stay in um, and know that the other person's not committed to that. And probably, you know, hopefully they'll be supportive, but they probably won't take the lead. Okay. Also, Recognizing that you don't have to be perfect in that either. My goal is more often than not, more often than not, we read the scriptures more often than not. We, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be exact. So do, do your best. Well, what we've found, and maybe you can talk to this is what, how we've handled teaching the kids. We've actually been much more deliberate about teaching the kids. We've been more consistent in our family home evenings in the last two years than we were ever before. Mm. And, and we've really gone together in, we've taught the commonalities that we have mm-hmm. and really neither of us have gone the opposite direction of teaching very, very hard doctrine that is in or very opposing doctrine that is out. Uh-huh. Uh, we've really come together uh, in that. And I don't even know that we, we did that on purpose. It just felt like the natural thing to do. Okay, we're going to have family home evening. What is something we both agree is important for them to learn? Yeah, I love that. You're talking about values. So what is our family value? And what are those values that, that we can bring us together. And there's so much that's still common uh, among couples, right? We value honesty. We value treating each other kindly. We value, you know, there's, there's so many things. And sometimes those things get lost. So I really admire um, the fact that you're doing that. Um, I wanted to speak to the, the spouse who's left and how much to talk to your kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's really really important to remember that your journey is your journey and your kids have their own journey and not to try and control their journey. So just because you feel betrayed doesn't mean your kids will feel betrayed or just because you feel angry doesn't mean your kids will, or just because you don't believe doesn't mean your kids will not believe. And it, 
they have their own journey. And so I think that's really important that, um, that you don't try and take over their journey with the facts and the, the negative things about the church. Because there are a lot of really positive things about the church for kids growing up. I mean, there are lots of really good things too. So I think you need to be cautious. Um, and as they get older, I think you can share more. But just remember that it's, it's, it's their journey and their time frame, and don't impose your journey on them. Right. Yeah. So, so when is the appropriate time to tell them? Because we've talked, the, we've talked about this and, and, and I said, well, what if our kids want to go on missions? And he said, well, they can, they'll go on a mission, but they'll know all the facts before leaving so that they aren't hearing them when they're on the mission. When, mm-hmm. But is that the appropriate time to tell them? I think when they are start asking and then talking to them age appropriately. So well, daddy, you know, if a 15 year old says, dad, why don't you believe you would just kind of give a general, you know what? I've just studied some things that I really don't think are, are true anymore. And you know, you don't have to go into, to all the details if they want to, then I would, but most of them don't care. <laughs> they don't care that much. Right. right. It's like, can I, they don't, it's like, can I go out or not? Like, don't, I don't need a million reasons why just tell me yes or no. It's kind of the same thing. They may not be interested. Um, I do think that once they're 18 and they're responsible for themselves, um, and they're going on a mission, I do think, you know, they probably should know a lot before they go because they're going to get hammered with it out there anyway. So I, Again, it kind of depends on the kid. It depends on the family. It depends on how interested they are. They may not even care. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. So yeah. why introduce things that kind of blow up their world if they don't care? Conceptually, that works. What, what we've seen, and even in practice, it works, but it's, there's nuance to it. And like you said, every kid's different because, you know, we've had listeners with, with either adult children or late teens, children, 16 to, to, to 19 year old children. And as soon as they find out where their parent is, they don't talk to them anymore. And they go on a mission and they're fasting on the mission that their dad will come back. And so I think the fear behind wanting to talk to them is I don't want them to, to listen to those messages of the quote, sad heaven, or uh, some talks would, will mention uh, don't listen to people that are uh, that have sure. disaffected from the church, and and you're like, oh, well, that's me. I'm, I'm their dad. I'm the one that has disaffected from the church, and they're literally telling them not to talk to me. Yeah. Uh, I think their fear can drive a lot of a lot of the action. Oh, I th- I think you're definitely right. And whenever fear is driving, then love is not is there's no room for love. So. I think even the, the spouse who's in the church, you need to debrief your kids a lot. Like if, if there's a talk on sad heaven or don't talk to, you know, to, be, to debrief your kids and say, you know what, just so you know, I don't agree with that. And I don't think dad's dangerous. And I like, that's like, let them know there are things you disagree with. And that's your job as a parent too. Right. If I, my family, personally, we go to church, but there are times when I'm like, okay, you know what? That one talk, uh-uh. Like, that's not, <laughs> yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of what keeps 
the spouses that have stepped away, and I include myself in this, uh, plugged in because I, man, if there are those messages, I want to hear them so that I can combat against them. And yeah. I don't want my kids to internalize certain things. Right. We're lucky, I think, in our personal, that's why we've talked more about teenagers in this conversation is because our kids are young enough where they still kind of look at us as the speakers of truth. So if we right. sit down with them and say, we don't appreciate X, Y, or Z, their initial reaction is, well, then that must not be a good thing because you're mom and dad. And uh, the older they get, that's usually not quite good enough. Yeah. Uh, okay. So speaking of children, uh, how, how do you talk to your kids about your faith transition? I think short and sweet. Yeah, I think they're going to notice things have changed. They're going to feel the conflict in the marriage if there is conflict. There's, they're going to, so I think it's important to talk about it. Um, but again, they don't need to know the details of your journey. That's not age appropriate for most kids, maybe for adult children. But even then, they don't need to know all the details. That's your journey. So I think, I think it's um you can just say, you know, I, I'm choosing not to participate in the church and I don't believe it anymore. And, you know, if you have any questions, you can ask me. Yeah. That's so, kind of exactly what we did, isn't it? Yeah. But I think that that's too. really hard for, especially for um, people that have adult children, because, mm-hmm. because it, it, it turns into a, a big deal where the adult children are no, dad, you've got to come back. What, what have you done? Why are you doing this to our eternal family? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it was, it was much easier dealing with small kids yeah. than it has been hearing some of the stories of people with adult children who, who, who not only now has the spouse that is trying to pull them in, but they've got these adult children that are fasting and praying for them to come yeah. also. I mean, how, do, how, does, how does Alan deal with that internally while it's happening on the outside? Yeah. I think it's really important in those situations to remember that it's motivated out of love. Mm. Like they're do they're fasting and praying because they love you and they think they know what's best for you. And that's like, in a way that's really sweet, even though it's not what you know is best for you. <laughs> right. But looking at it as, Oh, they must really care about me and they want what's best for me. Um, and they don't know what's best for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, but recognizing the positive intent, I think, makes it a lot, uh, a lot easier. And just asking them, hey, will you trust me with my own life? Will you trust me with my agency? Will you, I, I want you to trust me that I'm doing what I need to do. And just ask them for that trust. Mm. Uh, when teenagers <laughs> ask for that trust with their parents, in the, in the comment that the, that this person posted, she said, you know, at what point do you let, let your teenagers think for themselves? And, and, you know, we have a lot of influence over them. So can you give us some ways that, um, would allow your teenagers to maybe think for themselves along the way while you're guiding them? Yeah, they're going to start thinking for themselves no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, I think it's it's good that you're thinking about this and wanting wanting to guide them. Um, I think as you have these discussions, it's okay to say, mom believes this, dad believes this. We believe these things together. Mm-hmm. And, and letting them know, it's called differentiation of self in, in psychology. 
So it's being able to be a unique individual whilst remaining connected to other people. So you are modeling that as the parents, like we are different people. We believe different things and we're still connected and you can be too. You can think for yourself and you can stay connected to us. So you have this really cool chance to model for your teenager differentiation of self. And like you get to ultimately you get to decide what kind of life you want and what you believe and how cool is that? Mm -hmm. Right. And you can tell them, you can tell your, your child, your teenager that just because it doesn't matter what they choose, that's not them choosing one parent over the other. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've tried to explain that to our kids of whatever you decide is for you and that we're not going to take it as you're siding with mom or you're siding with dad. Right. This is not how it is. It's not a contest, not a competition. Right. Uh, And to your point, I mean, Jackson had one, one opinion and Zara piped in with her opinion. So that that's a healthy thing. Right. I'm thinking of those parents who have kids who decide to leave the church with their parent. Right. So they, they've listened to their, their parents' concerns. They happen to agree with them and decide to leave also. Those kids are now in a place where they are trying to find their, they don't want to date someone that's Mormon, but they want to find someone that has same values. How do you parent a kid who's now out and who's dating someone that's not even in the faith? Um, I don't know if you would parent any differently. Um, I I mean, I think you talk about like sexual things, safe sex, you talk about kind of, you know, things that are illegal, (laughs) drugs, drinking, underage drinking. I mean, I think you would do all the kind kind of the same things, things that a good parent would do Mm -hmm. with a teenager who's kind of out there dating and having relationships. So I don't know that it would change that much in, and how you parent. Okay. Julie, I know we, we are now out of time, but is there anything that you were coming into this interview, knowing that it's, that it's on mixed faith marriage you were hoping to get to, but we didn't ask about, or basically want to give you the last word. Oh, wow. Um, we've covered a lot. So th- I don't feel like there's anything burning, like, oh, I, we didn't cover this. I just want to let your listeners know that there's hope, that I've seen so many couples work through this, and they actually have a stronger relationship as they go through it. Um, they d- develop that differentiation. They figure out ways to be creative in their family life and have really great lives. And so if you're in the thick of that devastation, that anger, that betrayal, that there's hope as you move through that together. That is a great message to, to leave us on, a message yes. of hope. Dr. Julie Hanks, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you for us. being here. Thank you so much. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go 
as we go.